All right, are we ready to get started? I think we're ready. Let's just make sure that before we leave today, we pray. Let's pray right now. Yeah, let's do it. Father, we pray that you would give us wisdom as we speak. Help us to be careful with our words. Help us to be uh, charitable and yet precise and insightful. Uh, We pray that you would use this episode and whatever we may say to build up your church, uh, to help Christians think clearly about your word word and the world. Uh, We pray that you would bless us uh, and help us to be a, a light to those who listen. Amen. Amen. All right, brother, we are back, and we are starting a new series. Yes, we are. And we're really excited about this. I am. Yeah. Uh, critical theory. Yes. Uh, we're, we're a little bit late to the party, aren't we? We're a little bit late. Well, we thought about this kind of stuff in days past, but we decided not to do it. Yeah, we could have talked about this back when we did our series on social justice yeah. about a year and a half ago. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't. Yeah. And and part of the reason why we're deciding to do it now will be further explained as we move throughout the episode. That's right. Okay. Before we kind of get into the the why of the whole thing, let's just let's just really quickly define what critical theory is cuz I'm assuming that we have some fans uh, one or two out there who are uh, who have watched our episodes on the church and, you know, abortion and this, that, and the third, and maybe they've just never heard of critical theory before. Yeah. Right. So, uh, the first thing that needs to be said is that critical theory is somewhat impossible to define. That's right. Okay. And, and largely because critical theorists don't like essentialism. They don't like definitions. That's right. There are clarity and specificity to definitions. That's right. There's a sort of, uh, it's good for us for this to be real slippery and slimy. You That's know, right. you can't hold on to it. Nevertheless, uh, I think uh, critical theory can be broken down into four main ideas. Okay. okay? Four main tenets. We're going to talk about this more next week. So we're not going to talk about each of these in depth here, but there, there are four main aspects of critical theory. Number one. Uh, the world is broken down into a social binary. Uh-oh, are we good? Okay. Uh, it's broken down into a social binary. Russell, what do I mean when I say that it's broken down into a social binary? Well, I think you mean that uh, critical theory teaches that there are groups, societies yeah. composed of groups that are inherently antagonistic. Okay. They are working against one another in relationships of oppressor and the oppressed. That is correct. And for every group that you can identify in society, there's some opposite group that is fighting against them. Yeah, that's right. Again, we're going to talk about that more next week, okay? Uh, Next, we have the oppressive hegemony. Mm. What that basically means is that the way that this oppression is carried out is through ideology. So me, a cisgendered white Protestant male, oppresses you... uh, lesbian muslim woman through my christian ideology right and, and other things that go along with it and, okay. and that's important because there there is an understanding of hegemony that is that is more focused on structures of the means of production and labor and law and what we're talking about and what critical theory tends to focus on is the hegemony of of cultural and uh, sort of the presiding culture and its assumptions. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we'll talk about that again more next week. That's right. Then we have standpoint theory. Standpoint theory basically says, uh, it's, it's an epistemology. It says, I have access to truth based off of what I have experienced. And if you haven't experienced that, then you don't have access to that same truth. And for those who, who may not know epistemology. How we know what we know. Yeah, it's a way of, it's a way of 
thinking about knowledge. It's yeah, a way that's of right. Explaining knowledge. Yeah. So Christians have uh, an epistemology that's uh, grounded in God's revelation. Should be. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and uh, critical theory has an epistemology that is diametrically opposed to that. Yes. Okay. Then we have... An not, we're not showing our hand at all here. Not at all, no. <laughs> uh, and then fourth, we, a strong emphasis on social justice. Uh, now, I know this is the part where some people who may be willing to hear us kind of tense up a little bit. Uh, some people may be cheering. Yeah, you attack those social justice warriors. Uh, but social justice... There's a way in which that can be defined that we would full-throatedly, wholeheartedly uh, celebrate and get on board with. That's right. There's a way that it can be defined that we would uh, wholeheartedly, full-throatedly oppose. Yeah. I would say that the critical theory understanding of social justice is in the latter. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I'd agree. Now, these these four things, yeah. you're not going to open up the social justice, uh, sorry, the critical theory manual. Mm. and see these listed as tenets that, that all of critical theory agrees on and, and right. defines their understanding of the world. These are, these are ideas that have been identified, not mm -hmm. necessarily by us, but by people who've worked in this field yeah. as sort of the common threads that unite all the various fields of critical theory. That is correct. And they're very helpful for that Yeah, purpose. that's right. And it should also be noted that there's not really a critical theory. There are critical theories, right? It's, yeah. it's just like uh, Marxism. You know, mm -hmm. Marxism was an idea that took one form in Cuba, another form in Russia, yeah. and even bet between Lenin and Stalin, two different forms, right? right? So uh, there's no one critical theory, but there is what Neil Shinvi calls a contemporary critical theory, and that's going to be the main one that we interact with because critical theories of old that no one really cares about aren't as relevant, uh, although they are relevant, just well, not as relevant. Yeah, it's, and it's important for us to make that distinction because sometimes we'll say, yeah, this critical theory has its roots in XYZ, right. Marxism. right. And if you point to old school Leninist Orthodox Marxism, yeah. you won't necessarily see the straight lines yeah. because there have been developments in these thoughts. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they were invented out of nothing, so they can be as amorphous as they want to be, right? right? They can change and adapt to fit whatever environment they're in. All right. Now we have to ask the question, why are we talking about it? Mm. Okay. The reason why we think it's time to talk about critical theory is because we've begun to see it creep into the church. Okay. Um, one of the main critiques about white evangelicalism of, uh, of, you know, generations past the late seventies, eighties, early nineties was that it was really bound up with the culture wars. You know, the James Dobson yep. focus on the family. We're going to try to make all of America Christian again. Right. You know, we're, we're pushing back against the sexual revolution. And close and, your businesses on Sundays, no alcohol. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Don't dance, don't chew, don't date girls who do. Yep. Amen. And mm -hmm. let's put a law yeah. to make that right. So, uh, and so in reaction to that kind of right leaning or not leaning, that, that right version of American evangelical Christianity, a, a new generation has tried to push back against that and move away from that. But we think that there's kind of been an overreaction. And in the same way that like right politics infiltrated the porous walls of the church in generations past, we think the same thing is kind of happening from a left politics uh, side this time. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that's important because uh, there seems to be in the evangelical, the slice of the evangelical world that's really embraced critical theory and its ideas seems to be uh, lacking self-awareness. 
in just how strongly they are influenced by non-Christian ideology in yeah. the same way that I think I think it is a fair criticism of much of evangelicalism through the past 60 years mm. that it was that it was blindly influenced by some conservative ideology. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes for good, sometimes for for worse. Right. But the important the important part of that is that we need to point it out. It needs, yeah. We need to be aware of the way that non-Christian ideologies are influencing our Christian thought. Yeah. It, it seems strange to me that that this generation can so clearly perceive the error of generations past and be like, dude, you guys were so influenced by that. How could you not see it? And now the same thing is happening and they're like, dude, I'm not being influenced by that. What yep. are you talking about? Hindsight something something 20. 20, 20, 20 hindsight yeah. 2020. That's the name of my uh, presidential campaign. Mm. Mm. Uh, okay. Now on to another very interesting question. Now we're going to come back to the church here in a minute. Okay. But, Interesting question for you. Can we even talk about this? Right? I mean, Russell, you have a degree in what now? Religion. <laughs> from, and, from Liberty. And is from Liberty <laughs> University. Of all places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so is that like an automatic? Is that an I'm a priori? Automatically disqualified yeah. from conversations. And that's about just this. a bachelor's degree, right? Oh, yeah. Do you have a master's? No. Do you have a PhD? Of course not. Wait, do you have a. What's after a PhD? Do you have postdoctoral studies? Uh, do you get? I think you get knighted after your <laughs> <Okay>. PhD. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't have any of those things, right? Yeah. Uh, have you studied? Did you even graduate high school? I did not. Okay, I have a GED, <laughs> and I even barely got that one, but barely counts. Uh, now, have you studied critical theory in the halls of academia? No. Okay. So, what gives you the right to address critical theory if you have not studied it uh, at a serious intellectual level in the university? So I, I, I hear what you're doing. That question, mm. what gives you the right, yeah. is it presumes, I think wrongly, that in this particular subject, and really you'll hear this in almost every subject. I've, I've dealt with this a lot, even in my former work, where I did a lot of scientific journalism, and yeah. I did a lot of work uncovering uh, scientific malpractice yeah. and misconduct. In the fitness industry. In, in, the, in the fitness, more specifically in the sports sciences. Okay. Okay. So I would go and I'd look at peer-reviewed journals and i'd see studies in these peer-reviewed peer journals and i would i would break them down and, and look at how data was fabricated yeah. or how conclusions were pulled out of data that there were just logical non sequiturs and how these studies were being used yeah uh and, and data was being manipulated for commercial purposes wrap it up so the whole point is i was routinely criticized you're not a scientist right uh, you don't have a degree in this. Right. You can't do that. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the problem behind that is it's really just an appeal to authority. Which is a logical fallacy. It's a logical fallacy that rather than dealing with the arguments and the content of those arguments, seeks to just shoot down the person talking as disqualified to avoid dealing with the arguments. Yeah. And, and that's... We should just categorically deny that objection. Yeah, that's because right. Because it's illogical. Uh, it doesn't deal with the arguments on their face. It doesn't deal with their content. And it's really non-productive. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you don't have to have a degree. in Now, that doesn't mean we don't believe in expertise. Of course. That doesn't mean that we don't think that if you're going to talk about this, you should be well-versed in, in the literature, that you need to have invested significant time thinking about it, yeah. uh, interacting with people, either through their readings or their lectures or in person and conversation. So we don't want to go the Tom Nichols, you know, death of expertise route. Yeah. We do think expertise matters. Well, even more ironically, if you're not an expert in a field and you're arguing for a position that, that relates to that field, yeah. 
if the problem is that you don't know what you're talking about, it should be even easier to disprove you right. based on the evidence yeah. and based on your arguments. Yeah, that's right. Now, another objection to why we shouldn't be talking about this is because we are the oppressors. That's right. And, and this gets back to one of the four basic tenets or, or threads that mm-hmm. you can pull through critical theory, the standpoint epistemology. Yeah. So you are a white male cisgendered Christian, Protestant Christian on top of that in America, right? Yeah, I'm the worst kind. Yeah, if on the axes of oppression, you are the greatest oppressor that has ever... Genghis Khan, get out of here. (laughs) You know, you are the supreme oppressor. Yes, and the argument is because of my experience and skin color and gender and and yada, 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 uh, I am not able to speak to these issues because I lack the almost Gnostic secret knowledge that comes with the experiences of people of different genders and skin colors and sexual orientations, whatever it may be. So should we just wrap it up then? Yeah. I mean, how would you respond to someone who says you don't have the right to talk about this? Well, well, I think, so I think that's actually, if you look at these four basic principles, I think most of them are built on that standpoint, Mm -hmm. that epistemology. Um, Everything hinges on the basic question of how can we know Uh, to give you, an example. So I've had a lot of conversations about this stuff with other people and we always come back to this. Right. Um, we always come back to the, how do you know question? Yeah. And inevitably, if you don't have any kind of shared measure of truth or Mm. standard for how you know something, right. You can't have a meaningful conversation. Right. It, It would be like, uh, you get two baseball teams out there and a guy hits a ball, gets to first right when the ball hits the glove, they may argue about whether that's a safe or an out. Okay. And eventually they might appeal to the umpire and the umpire says, yeah, I'm going to make the call that he's out. Yeah. They can disagree, but they're disagreeing within the framework of rules. They both agree to, they have a shared understanding of the game. Right. If that baseball player hits a ball and the first baseman catches it right when he gets there and the team who's hitting says he's safe. And the other team says, we define ball differently. Right. Uh, we don't think that safe and out are, yeah. are concepts that we should acknowledge because yeah. they're part of the hegemony that we disagree. I mean, from that point on, you're not even playing the same game. Right. So that's why this is so important to address right out of the gates. Uh, and we will get around to really unpacking the epistemology of this. Sure. But for the time being, we just have to reject we're that just outright because we're Christians. That's right. Okay. Does that mean that people's experience doesn't help them? to better understand certain biblical truths. No, well, of course, course not. not. Of course yeah. it does. And, and we should also be quick to listen to people's experience. Absolutely. And, and be empathetic to their experiences. Absolutely. But but if But yeah. that can't be the ultimate standard That's by right. which we judge truth. Okay. So basically, do we have the street cred to talk about this? Well, probably not. Should we talk about <laughs> Almost it? Almost certainly not. Almost certainly not. Should we talk about it? Yes. Are we going to talk about it? Yes. Uh, And you should also know that we wouldn't do this if we didn't think that we had something significant and thoughtful to say. You may disagree with us, uh, but you're wrong and we're right. So we're uh, we're also basing all of this partly on our own understanding of the issues in our own research, but but on the word of God. Yeah, that's right. Which is accessible to anyone. Yeah. And if we stand on that, we stand on truth. And it helps you to take captive every philosophy that's out there and examine it. I don't have to read every last document of Islam to be able to categorically reject its claims. That's right. Right. Okay. Um, two reasons why we're talking about this, two additional reasons. One is just because we see the way that critical theory has invaded, uh, the intellectual thought life of America at large, Mm -hmm. uh, Western society. Is that too broad? I wouldn't say so. I think it's alive and well in the UK and so on and so forth. Okay. Um, yeah. 
uh, along along the lines of race issues, LGBT issues, uh, ableism, sex. You know, we can ageism, just kind of, yeah. ageism. We could just keep keep going on and on. Uh, you can see this in a number of different ways. So, for example, the New York Times 1619 Project uh, is a revisionist history. Now, th- there's some good things in there. They say some good things, uh, just like with a lot of bad stuff. Some of it is good. They help you see things that you didn't see before. Yeah. It's kind of like N.T. Wright. Mm-hmm. When N.T. Wright talks about the kingdom of God, he really helps you see some things that evangelicals haven't really done the best job of seeing. Yeah. But then he takes it and goes crazy with it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, I can't, you know. So the 1619 Project, there's some good stuff, some good history in there. But a lot of it is revisionist history uh, where they reinterpret the history of America through the critical racial theory lens. Right. Okay, that's just one example. But That's a secular example. That's a secular example. Yeah. And, and, you know, that that curriculum has now been accepted in over 3,000 public school districts. Right. You know. Okay. And we could, we could multiply these examples. Oh, yeah. But... With the, back to what we were saying earlier, the the church has porous walls. Mm. God's people have always operated like that, right? I'm, I'm getting ready to preach through Leviticus 18 through 20 this week. And God tells the people as they're about to go into the promised land where they're going to be Canaanites, he's like, hey, you be careful. Don't let them influence you. And then you read the rest of the Old Testament and you're like, Dude, he just told you <laughs> not to he let that. He literally said, don't marry pagan <laughs> women and serve their gods. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, and so you have to understand that every church uh, and every age is going to be vulnerable, susceptible to the various sins and godless philosophies alive and well in that age. Yep. And we just have to be cognizant. We have to be aware of it. And what we would say is that, especially over the last five years, Critical theory, the worldview that is critical theory and the ideologies that go along with it, uh, have permeated the walls of the church. Yeah. So uh, examples of this, because hmm. the reason why I just want to bring up some examples is because a lot of people who are not necessarily for critical theory, but who are arguing about the kinds of things that critical theorists argue about, yeah, race issues, LGBT issues, uh, they would say that that we're kind of being McCarthyists. Yeah. You know, that we're just, we're like sniffing out communists, yeah. right? We're trying to sniff out yeah. critical theorists. And they would say, don't be ridiculous. Critical theory hasn't invaded uh, evangelicalism. It's not a threat. And, and which, we would which may have sounded really reasonable two years ago. Even two years ago. But I think the people who were prophesying, yeah. <laughs> prophesying two years ago and saying that it was, I think that they have been proven to be right. I think so. So just a couple of examples. Um, the way that Christians have accepted new definitions of, of words, yeah, you know, racism has pretty much always been defined one way. Now it has come to take on a critical theory, mm-hmm. uh, definition. We're going to talk about that for an entire episode. Yep. Uh, but it's not, it's not just race. That's again, just well, an easy well, redefined words and also just sure. new words, new, new language. So white privilege. Yeah, uh, or, or even the new use of language. Yes. Like the 1984 Orwell, bad means good, good means bad yep. thing. Okay. Um, we just read a, a recent article by a brother that we know and love and trust, um, who is a faithful brother and pastor. And one of the things that he said in this article as he was talking about some complaints that he had with a certain branch of evangelicalism was some of the language that he used was about financial you know, socioeconomic equality. Yes. Right. And, and we just saw, okay, well that, that, that kind of makes us think along those lines. Absolutely. Okay. But there's some more like th- Those are just kind of like amorphous. Right. But here are like some concrete examples. 
During her talk at the Sparrow Conference, Ekameni Uwan, and sister, if you, I doubt you would ever see this, but I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, uh, she recommended four resources to help people think better about race, to okay. help women think better about race, including D'Angelo's White Fragility, and D'Angelo is a through and through critical theorist. Um, and in that talk, she said things like, whiteness is wicked. Now, what she means there by white, whiteness is actually a historical phenomenon. Yeah, she um, means like white supremacy. Yeah, white supremacy, which was in many ways in America institutionalized. It was part of our structure. Yes. Okay, for, for a long time. Um, but then like she went on to tweet afterwards that the Sparrow Conference was a racist space, that it was a racist organization. Uh, and she even said that entering into these spaces was, quote, very dangerous because it put her life on the line. Yes. Okay. Uh, another example, after Tim Keller, who, you know, we're Baptists. We don't love and agree with everything Tim Keller says, but we love Tim Keller. He's awesome. He's helpful in a lot of ways. You're a precept guy. You've seen him. Preaches the gospel. Yeah. Uh, after he had an article where he, I thought, did a pretty good job of making a case for why, like, yeah, Christians shouldn't be... Uh, all Republican, all Democrat, all conservative, all liberal, right? He was trying to strike a balance there. Um, one author responded by saying, quote, Tim Keller has no authority to teach on justice. None. Now, uh, this this person who wrote this is an evangelical Right, and, wrote, and wrote in caps lock, which, <laughs> caps which is lock. hard to gather from audio. With, with many thousands of followers on Twitter, many thousands uh, of people pay attention to what she has to say. Uh, how incredulously privileged for Keller, a rich white man whose ministry targets rich people to fashion himself as the judge of whether or not injustice rises to the level of oppression. No, the only ones with divine authority to define the bounds of oppression are the oppressed themselves. Yes. Okay. A lot of retweets on yeah. that. Okay. And you should be hearing the themes here. Uh, the social binary. Yeah. It's us versus them. It's right. group versus group. Uh, the oppressive hegemony. Yep. You are part of the ruling class, the yep. oppressing class. And then therefore standpoint theory, you can't be right. That's right. You don't know my experience. My uh, version of the truth is superior to yours because of my experience. That's right. And then the emphasis on activism as the, as the means to resolve this. Absolutely. Uh, in his book, Reconstructing the Gospel, Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove cites uh, a couple of critical theorists, and he says, quote, white people suffer from a malady called shriveled heart syndrome. Okay. Uh, and we could, we could just keep going on and on. I mean, there's examples of uh, a professing evangelical uh, talking about Christ being our black mother, wanting to dive deeper into an intersectional, which is intersectional is the expression of critical theory when yep. you're trying to put people on the axis of oppression. Uh, uh, intersectional exploration that examines both God's blackness and femaleness on the cross. Mm. Um, and brother, these are just examples that we got from Neil Shinvi. They're, they're good, easy, prominent examples, but they could be multiplied a thousand times You could over. open up Twitter right now yeah. and scroll once and find another one. You could. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, yeah. So it's, so it's there. It's in society. It's in the evangelical church. It's, 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 yeah, alive and well with people who teach in seminaries, who are directors of missions agencies. That's right. Even, even in our own church. I saw a member of our church uh, share a resource um, I think in really good faith, you mm -hmm. know, uh, about anti-racism, yep. not even realizing that the term anti-racism 
is a critical theory term that does not mean against racism. Yeah, it's certainly not how that person may understand racism. That's right. I think the person who shared it thought, oh, I'm against racism, yes. and I want everybody else to be against racism. Here's a link for all these anti-racist resources. Yeah. But anti-racism has a very specific definition, yep. um, which is unchristian. Uh, and uh, a lot of the things that were linked uh, in that resource were things like the 1619 Project yes. and and some some otherwise unhelpful critical theory-esque tools. Well, and we've given a lot of examples of how this relates to critical race theory. But it not, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there at all. No. There's any anywhere you can divide society into oppressed and oppressor, which includes LGBTQ issues, right. uh, women, uh, age. That's happening at the exact same pace and yeah. using the exact same assumptions yeah. within the evangelical church. I think the reason why we're talking more about critical race theory is because evangelicals know the history of Christians in America and we're a racialized society and they want to be quick to be on the side as they should be of racial justice. Right. And so I think that these, you know, there, there, there is less conversation. I'm not saying it's not happening, happening at all, but there is less conversation amongst evangelicals about whether or not intersectionality is valid to discuss LGBT issues. Right. Yeah. A lot of evangelicals are still basically like, nah, that's off the table, but like race stuff, Everyone wants to talk about race stuff. Yep. So it's just more prominent. That's Absolutely. why it's probably going to be more prominent in our discussion. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, quick clarification. Okay. This is going to be really important for people to interpret us charitably throughout the rest of these conversations. Please do. Th this is our clarification to, to, to show our charity. It is possible to say that someone or an organization, right, whatever, has been influenced by certain tenets of critical theory without saying that they are themselves full-blown critical theorists. It's possible for you to be influenced by cultural Marxism without you being a cultural Marxist. Yeah, to, right? to make that extreme, you can use the hashtag Black Lives Matter. That doesn't mean you're an apostate, anti-Christian Marxist. Right. That doesn't mean that you sign off on all the exactly. tenets. And, and I would argue most of the people who are influenced by this probably have no idea what just like the example you gave from your church yeah they don't know what what come what baggage is coming along with the That's use right. of those terms the slogans the very catchy sort of sort of self-evidently good things that yeah. that you could say yeah. that are actually pregnant with critical theory assumptions that's right so to to be clear i think i could sit down with someone who tweets or says or believes something that is has very obviously been influenced by critical theory yeah uh, I could sit down with them and say, here are the four tenets of critical, th critical theory, and I could kind of walk them through it. And I think if I were to say, do you believe this or reject it? They would say, oh, I reject that. I, so I interviewed probably 12 people on some of these concepts, particularly related to systemic racism. Okay. And when I gave them the critical theory definition of systemic racism right out of the gate to make sure we were on the yeah. same page, uh, about a third of them said, oh, no, I don't I don't believe in that. Right, right. They just had their own definition based on their own sort of assumption about what those terms meant. That's right. Yeah. So you can accept some of those tenets. You can be influenced by some of those tenets. Yes. And not be an out and out Marxist. So we're not out to just get everybody. That's right. Yeah, that's right. We want to be charitable. We want to understand that we've been influenced by ideologies that we may not understand. And yeah. it's possible that you have too. Okay. Um, and hopefully the Lord is kind to reveal it to us as he reveals it to you. Finally, let's just talk about how the series is going to go. We're going we're gonna to do the people a favor and tell them what to expect. This is very unlike us. Mm. So this week, we, we're kind of survey of the landscape. What's happening? Why are we talking about it? Should we talk about it? Are we equipped to talk about it? Next week, we're going to just give our 
definition of critical theory where we're going to take those first four points and we're going to walk through them more in depth. Uh, Will Stevenson is going to join us for that episode, but he's sitting in here right now. Will, Hello. say hi. hi. Put your head you, in front of that camera. How long have you been there? No, don't do it. You've been here the whole time? Okay. Yeah. We, we found a teenager who has studied this stuff in depth. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so we're going to do that. And then after that, we're going to talk about the history of critical theory, because one of the things that's really helpful in understanding ideologies is to understand the soil from which they've grown. Yes. Right. You see how they came to fruition. And we did this with social justice. We yeah. did this with the prosperity gospel. Yeah. It's super helpful to, to connect the dots between ideas so that you can trace their origin, yeah. not necessarily so you can just reject them because of where they came from. We're not going to practice the genetic fallacy. Right. Which, it came which, from this, therefore it's wrong. Right. But it matters. It does matter. Yeah. Okay. Then we're going to talk about a critique of critical theory. And uh, we're going to be critiquing throughout, obviously. But this is where we're just going to say like, hey, here, here's our main beef. If you want to know, summarize in 20 minutes what our main beef is and why we think uh, you should be very wary of critical theory, here it is. One shot, one kill. Two to the chest, one to the head. Mm, it's getting a little graphic. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Guns. Uh, and then uh, fifth week, we're going to dive deeper. We're just going to like, we're going to talk about, we'll probably have a whole episode on systemic and structural racism. Yep. We're going to talk about that and say, see what the Bible has to say about that as compared to what critical theory has to say about that. And then the sixth week, we were gonna, we're just going to talk about how the church should res- respond. Right. And You're assuming we're going to do this in six weeks. I'm assuming. And we're going to meet regularly every Friday for six weeks. Dude, Lord willing is what Lord I was going to say willing. afterwards. You didn't we did need have your, to say it after each one. We need your prayers. Yeah, like, pray for listeners. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I have nothing else to add on that. Yeah, I think that's a good introduction. It's a good place to start. We've probably uh, wet a lot of appetites, but this was just mm. a tasty little... I hope your appetites are, are moist after this. <laughs> don't, don't ruin this for everyone. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, thank you, man. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll have some exciting stuff next Friday for you. Lord willing. Lord willing. Yeah.